Ephesians 1, where we'll find ourselves today. And I'd like for you to turn there with me. This is uh, an epistle of Paul. And, and hey, is, is there a way, real quick, that we could pull up the lyrics to the next to the last song that we sang? I don't remember the name of it. Yes. Now, just remember, we're talking about atonement, right? So we've introduced this idea last week of God's atonement for humanity. His making us one with Himself. At one meant is literally what these 12th century English translators translated this difficult word in Hebrew that had no equivalent. And they said, hey, I think maybe the best way to capture this idea is at one meant. So God makes us at one with himself. And notice just the language. I, I, I love to do this, and this is something that, that you ought to do in your life, is look for the language of atonement in even what we sing. And notice how varied and beautiful the language is. Notice sorrow, dead in my sins, lost. So you've got an image of dead, lost. Uh, go to the next one there. Notice redeemed now. Orphan heart. Now we're dealing with familial language. Uh, death is arrested again. Oh, grace so free. Washes over. Now we're dealing with this sacramental image of water in the Bible. Pouring down on. Lot, new life begins. Life begins with you. And in check, I love, I love this little distinction. Whoever wrote this song, they did well. I don't know who this is, but do you know? Anyway, notice this. You have made me new. Notice, drop down. You have made us new. Man, I want to submit something to you today that is just blowing my mind. I mean, I, so I've been studying this stuff on atonement. Uh, I, I, it just, I'm telling you, I, I Jessica can attest to this. I'm just sitting over there reading a couple of things. I'm, I'm doing my, you know, due diligence during the week of studying. And, and my mind is just being blown. I mean, you would think after, I mean, I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. I've heard the atonement preached all of my life. Jesus died for your sins. You know, he resurrected this sort, his blood. All, we sing the songs. I've read the books. I've read the book on it, you know, uh, the final authority. And yet, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. This is not a performance. I'm more amazed this morning, <laughs> right now, about what God has done for us than I ever have been in my entire life. I, I, I just and, and I want to submit something that just blew my mind, right? Just blew the cap right off of me, if you can imagine that. Um, is this idea. We're not made one with God apart from the community of God. I think that's worth saying again. We're not made one with God apart from the community of God. Notice this redeemed community. Keep going with the lyrics real quick. Released from chains. That's a, another image here of bondage. Now we need liberation. If we're in chains, we need liberation, right? And so notice ransom there. Canceled my debt. Now we're dealing with a financial type of burden. Uh, and it, hit it again. Our Savior displayed criminals cross. Now we're legality. Freedom again. Uh, hit it again. 
We're free, free, free. Notice, the song of all the redeemed. Come join the song. I mean, it's like, I just see this, this huge, both church, what we call church triumphant, which is the ones who've already gone on to be with God, and the church militant who are still fighting our fight here on earth, putting on the armor, right? This is the language of the New Testament. Putting on our armor to follow him. Come on, let's sing the song of the redeemed. This is not an isolated song. This is a song for us because of what he's done for me. Boom! I don't know. I mean, that just, that's like a, you know, all right, amen. I mean, we're done. No, we're not done at all. We're, we're just, we're just actually cranking it up here this morning. And I got to tell you something else. This morning, and this doesn't, this doesn't really happen to me. If you know me, I, I don't normally struggle with something like this. But this morning, I had these thoughts that, that you know, were legitimate concerns. Had nothing to do with, with our current situation at the church. This happened over, well, about a year ago. And it just, these thoughts came in. They were making me feel inadequate. They were making me feel like I had nothing to say to you. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of a scary thing. And, and you know, after about, no joke, 45 minutes, just even this morning, as I was trying to wake up from my bed, I was already thinking those thoughts. They've been placed there. And it was, it was actually a real burden for me. I haven't told Jessica or anybody this. <laughs> And I was really struggling. I mean, and that, I, like I said, I don't normally struggle with my mind. I, I just can move on, you know, just tell myself, okay, get over it, you know. Just like Jason always makes fun of me because first time I ever did a triathlon, he said, how are you going to, you know, do that swim? I said, man, I'm just going to beat the water until I'm done, you know, like, a, like an egg beater, you know. So anyway, I just mentally can do that a lot. This time I couldn't do it. I knew I was up against something. And so I, I literally went outside. And this is right, right as the sun was rising, and I just cried out to the Lord. Just from my heart was like, hey, ah, I need some help. I really need some help. I've got some thoughts here that are dominating. I can't even think about what I'm supposed to share because I, I'm so worried about what is happening in my mind. And I got a text message from an unknown number. I didn't even know who it was, uh, that basically just said, hey, I'm praying for you, brother, and named my name. You know, it was for the people he mentioned, but, but my name was on there by, by name. And he just listed this stuff off and said, I'm praying for you, we're for you. Do something that allows you to preach with authority today. Eat a good meal, kiss your wife. I mean, he listed off some things, you know. So I went and cooked some eggs, you know. And uh, I ate a hearty meal, and I'm like, all right, I don't know what's y'all going to have, but I'm going to be preparing myself anyway, even if I can't get over these thoughts. And then I had another pastor friend, because that actually was, I found out later, a, a pastor friend of another church in the area, thinking, not even in our, we're on completely opposite ends theologically most of the time, you know, uh, but he loves me. And then I have another brother who's of a different tradition in Christianity. 
but he loves Jesus. And both these guys were following the Spirit, and he sent me a text, neither one of which have ever sent me a text on Sunday. One had never sent me a text, period, much less on Sunday morning before I preached. And this other guy, he sent me one, and he just said, hey, you were put on my mind today. Uh, I just want to encourage you. You know, he said some other stuff, and then, I, I, I mean, I about started crying because I, I just had prayed. And I said, Lord, I need some help. And guess how God helped me? He didn't just come and say, okay, Marshall, you're doing all right, man. Just keep up the good work. Instead, it, he used the community of the redeemed. Does anybody see the connection there? We cannot live this life without the community that He has ordained us to live in. Atonement is not apart from the atoned community. And I think that's what somewhat Paul is talking about here. Join with me here as we look at uh, this reading from Ephesians. And this is Ephesians 1. I'm just going to warn you. Paul is heavy in Ephesians. I mean, he's not... This is not uh, child's play. All right? Uh, And yet... Even a child can understand what is being said here. Notice these words. Blessed, this is starting with verse 3 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us (laughs) for adoption. You hear that language again? Notice again, just, just to be clear, before the creation of the world, He predestined us for adoption. Let me say that again just so it kind of saturates. Before we ever sinned, after he created a good creation, he had already predestined us in Christ to be adopted. To himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He has lavished upon us. I looked up that word, deluge, a water deluge, just Pouring water over, covering, lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, now notice, and if you haven't been peaked yet, be peaked on these last two verses, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite All things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus, bless Your Word 
Bless it to us and for us today, we pray in your name. Amen. The fact is, Jesus died. Jesus, a rabbi in the first century, a Jewish Messiah who was rejected, ultimately sold over by Caiaphas, the high priest of his own Jewish tradition, and handed over to Pontius Pilate, who we mention, of course, in the Creed, and killed, and then buried. That's fact. That's a fact, Jack. There's no getting around that. Now, the meaning of that Jewish man's death is what we talk about when we introduce the idea of atonement theology or atonement doctrine. And as we said last week, what's more important than having a right atonement doctrine or belief system is actually having Jesus' atonement for ourselves. Just as before you can learn about electricity, one must first flip on the light. We don't always know in the flipping or in the faith the reason. And that's why I think, Paul says here, He's made known to us the mystery of His will. It is indeed a mystery, the atonement. What Jesus did on the cross is not summed up in one image. It's like the deep words we have in humanity, which are really many. I always go over this with my... I always like to go over this with with students... In my, in my world religions class, because we act like words are just simple and static. They're not. At least, not some words. Maybe chair, but not hope. And yet, when we see hope, we know hope. Like love. We may not be able to define it in a couple of little subpoints and be done with it. It's really difficult to define, and yet when we see it, we know it. And we've all experienced it. I've often said it's like my like my wife. If you were to ask me, because I probably am one of the people in the world who knows her best. Who is Jessica? That's simple, right? I would start fumbling around for words. Well, she's this. Well, but also that. Oh, and also if you put her in this situation, she would be this. But you know she's also, and not many people know that, this. And what I'm doing is angling around. And saying, yeah, wow, 
There's a lot to this person. It's not just one-sided, is it? No, it's not. And atonement is one of these heavy words. One of these, one of these weighty theological terms that are biblical. And that really hold the essence of our faith. It, we must not be one-sided, is my point. We must not be one-sided or else we miss this beautiful soft side that we never saw. You see, the reason it's hard to define Jessica for me is because I know her so well. She's not summed up in a couple of subpoints. At the end of the day, I would just have to press you to meet her. That's what I'm making a point of about atonement. It's not enough for us to have a couple sub. Oh yeah, the atonement, you know, the penal substitution theory, and of course Christus Victor, and da 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 da. No, I can do all that too. But there's more to atonement than just doctrine. There's a reality that must be embraced. There's a blood that must be poured over us. There's a Savior that must be known. A salvation that must not be grieved or quenched. Paul starts off this uh, section here by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have a blessed God. And what does this blessed God do? He blesses. I mean, this is always the, you know, uh, the reciprocal nature of what God is doing with us humans. He blesses us so that we can do what he did. Bless another. It's only in the keeping and in the grasping and in the taking for ourselves and our hiding that it becomes spoiled. And we've all done that before. Grasping at the things of this world. Hiding things for ourselves. God's response is this on the cross. And it is his final word. <laughs> Your final answer? He's not hiding at all. You say, where is God? He's made himself known. In the fact of Jesus' death. No one disputes that. You know, our foundation for atonement, and I was going to do something different today, but we're just we're moving a little slow with atonement. It's, it's, it's weightier than what I thought. I got in here and I was going to do this little, you know, kind of four-week thing, just bada-bing, bada-boom, be done. I, I, unfortunately, I don't know how long this is going to last. Um, not this sermon, but the sermon series. <laughs> Notice Tammy was the only one who's praise God, and everybody's oh, sure. Hey, keep it down. He's probably going to go long today, you know. No, I, I just want to say this. I, I, today, 
just using Paul here, I want to do a few foundational things for us before we actually get into some of what we call the theories of the atonement. In other words, how is it that a Jewish man in the first century dies and that somehow affects humanity? In particular, me, you. How does, what is trans, what is happening there? That it happened, yes. And that it's a part of our faith, absolutely. You say it every week. But the mechanics of it? It's like flipping the switch. Do we really know how it gets from here to there? That's what these images or perspectives or theories of the atonement are going to deal with. But we're not there yet. We still need some foundational work because here's the problem is oftentimes the problem. In other words, sometimes our worst problem is that we haven't actually defined the problem. I, uh, I did a little experiment that I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> At least I thought it was neat. I wish I could have done it with more people, but I kind of just did it yesterday and out of the, off the cuff. And um, I just simply asked my kids, I said, hey, Jackson, sit down. I'm going to ask you some questions. You answer as truthful as you can be. And I did that with every single child of mine except for Blakely. And, uh, and I said this, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And all of their responses were the same, for our sins. And then I asked Jessica, and she said, for us. And then I said, well, why did he have to die? I mean, that's, well, why did he have to die? And they said, so we don't go to hell. <laughs> um, so there would be a sacrifice. And then one of them said, because he wanted to. I was thinking, huh, maybe tack him for a philosopher, maybe. And there was a couple other questions I I won't bore you with. But we need to know what the problem is because what the Savior supplied... We needed. In other words, even if we don't understand all of what is happening with what He's given to us in the cross, in the resurrection, in the coming of the Holy Spirit, what He has supplied for us, apparently we needed. It's like on Jeopardy, where we're given the answer. But we don't have the problem, the question. And many people have the question wrong. They think the problem is that we just need to go to heaven. But you just notice how many times Jesus talks like that. It's not many. What is he talking about? The kingdom of God coming in the here and now. The blind seeing. The lame walking. Those held in bondage freed. The forces and the powers of this world uprooted and the lowly exalted. You talk about a rebel or a revolution. Those are fighting words to any civilization that has ever existed. 
first, last, last, first, you're crazy, man. That's not how the world works. That's right. It's how the kingdom works. And his kingdom has come because he's the king. And he showed up. (laughs) I mean, this is just, you see what I'm, I mean, you just get into this thing and it's like, there is a little more, I mean, sometimes we're just scratching the start. Yeah, Jesus died for our sins, now we get to go to heaven. Is is that it? Well, what's heaven? No, no, we are co-creators, co-regents, responsible persons. But we've got to rewind to get back to Genesis. And what we find in Genesis is just simply the... You know, almost all theology has to pass through Genesis. It's crazy that in three chapters, the most brilliant stuff that I think has ever been written was written. To where a child could understand it. And I still can't understand it. Is so clear and yet complex. And what we see there, it's crazy, is that God takes the dirt, earth, and he makes mankind, Adam. And then he breathes within Adam his spirit, and he becomes a living person, being. First relationship, God to humanity. But Adam is a person. Adam is not God. Adam is not a dog or a tree. Adam is a self, a person. So now you've got another relationship, which is himself. And you remember what happens, right, in the, in the creation narrative, is God looks at Adam and says, hey, it's not good for this self to be what? Alone. I'm going to make him a helper, a companion. He takes a rib, as the story goes, and makes Eve. And so now you have God, self, others. But that's not where it ends, is it? Then he gives them some obligations, doesn't he? Instructions, if you will. Just like when you get a new package. Sometimes we don't read the instructions and Somebody was asking me, oh, yeah, that's right, it was at a birthday party. It was at a birthday party, and I was putting together a little kid's toy. I was like, I've put together plenty of these. What's wrong with, I had to go like 10 minutes out of my way to get this thing, and I'm trying to get, and some older lady that was there said, "Um, you didn't read the directions, did you, honey? (laughs) Yeah, it's written right here, you know what I mean? Um, But God gives them some directions, doesn't he? You can have anything you want in this garden I've made. You can grow stuff like I did. You can create stuff. But don't eat of that tree right there. He gives them responsibility. He gives them creative powers. He gives them responsibility, even we're told later, over creation. To rule over creation. So now we have a fourth Not only God, self, others, but the world. 
We are created in the image of God and after his likeness. And that term image, sometimes, sometimes, you know, of course, maybe think of like a mirror. But I want to go further than that. It's an icon. And that is how it's transliterated. God makes an icon. I want to go a little bit further than that. He makes an idol of himself and forms it in his image. That's what idolatry is, right? Forming God in an image. It's, oh man, this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, this is just, and I, I mean, I hope I can communicate some of, just a little bit of this to get you as excited as I am. All the world's religions that worship multiple gods, they make images. I've been to India. I've seen, they have 350 million plus gods. They're adding them every year. They're adding them. And they're all forging these images and then they worship them as God. These idols, these icons that represent God. And God tells his people, no, no, no. No idols. No icons of me. You don't make an idol of me. Why? Because he's already made one. It's humanity. It's you. You're made in the image of God. You are to be an icon of God. That is, I mean, I'm just telling you. Like, somebody could write a dissertation on something like that. You know, it says here in the text, as a plan for the fullness of time. In Greek, that's just kairos. You know, there's two Greek words for time. Kronos, which is just kind of... And kairos, which is timely time. Is that just the right time? It's like those text messages I received this morning. That was kairos, not kronos. You see what I'm saying? And when you're living in Kairos, you're living in God's timing, not the world's timing. And he likes seasons. You know? He likes, he likes the winter season. And seasons last long sometimes, don't they? We're saying, hey, God, where are you, man? I, I, I don't feel like anything's happening. I don't see any fruit. But he likes seasons. He likes development. He likes character growth. He tells us as much. Jesus grew in the knowledge and in the love of God, it says, when he was a child. I mean, this is just... And so, Paul says, in the right time, in God's time, he wants to take these broken icons, these clay pots that are leaking, defaced, and he wants to cover them, atone for them. That's what, that's what atone means, to cover. And that way we hold water. That way he puts his glory in us. He makes us weighty. 
He makes us in the image of God. You could say remakes us. He creates something new in us. We are born again. And he says to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. And that term there is to recapitulate all things, which has several meanings. It can mean to redo it. So you see where Adam in the garden, in its pristine, peaceful, perfect situation, disobeys God and grasps for something. Whereas Jesus, in a not-so-pristine place called the wilderness, we're told, tempted by that old serpent again, where Adam failed in the garden, Jesus succeeds in the wilderness. (laughs) Where Eve disobeys, Mary obeys. And things are recapitulated. They're redone. You could say even they're undone. Because sin tangles us up into knots. But the atonement untangles all of that. That's recapitulation. He unites all things in Christ. He even reheads all things in Christ. In other words, Adam is our original natural head. And through him, Paul says, death came to all. Because one man represented all people. It'd be like the head of our government doing something really stupid. Which has been done before. And it affects us all, doesn't it? Adam affected us all. And death and evil came into our world. Into our nature. But thanks be to God that he has atoned for that. There is a new Adam in town because he has recapitulated things and put now all things under one person who is the God and man person, Jesus Christ. I mean, to unite all things in him. We don't have to be the son of Adam. The daughter of Adam. We can be a son and daughter of the King. Of God Almighty. I mean, you talk about a mysterious plan. Who saw that coming? You know what I mean? I'm still trying to write my mind. How did that come about? And yet, that's what he's done for us. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. So... We must be born again. Not of flesh, but of spirit. We must be made new. And whatever atonement theory we subscribe to in our head, whatever images or perspectives we have, it must deal with our relationship with God. That must be made right. But also our relationship with self. Jesus says this, doesn't he? The two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, how? As yourself. 
God love, self love, others love, world love. If atonement stops short of any one of those, it's not the full picture. He, want, he atones for it all, lavishly pouring His grace out for us. I don't, I don't know how to preach anything more happy or good news like than that. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the extent of what I've got. We can be made right with God. Whatever you've tangled yourself up in, He can undo that. He can redo it. And He can make you new. I, so, I guess all I have to say about that, uh, in conclusion, is this. Let Him do it. You actually, because of, just like Adam, you didn't really have any say-so, right? In Him causing death for all people. So too, you don't have any say-so that God right now, listen to me, right now is pouring out His grace on all of us. You don't have any say-so in that. Where you do have say-so is the Bible says you can quench that. You can grieve His heart today if you look away. You say, no, that's not for me. I don't believe that. Believe it today. Turn, repent, and believe. Have faith. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of our precious Holy Spirit. Amen.